it was so easy to translate that and not be an advocate for survivors. Like it was just this connection. But I think one of the things that happens is I realize there's a lot of us, especially first gen, especially our immigrants and nonprofit work, because we saw all of the injustices that were happening to our families, to people from our communities, and we want to make a difference. And so we end up going to nonprofit because that seems like such a linear, like that makes sense that we would go into that type of work. But it also, in many ways, I will be like blunt and honest, it drains it all from us because we're so mission focused. You are listening to the Say Hola Well podcast, a show dedicated to the stigmatize the idea of wanting more money, more money, more options for you, your family and our community to become financially free. I am your host, Lucy King. I am on a mission to help decolonize wealth for Latinas, and here is how I do it. I talk about building generational wealth through a holistic lens. I give you the strategies, the mindset, and the ideas to create generational wealth and also break away from a culture of silence. Ya sabes, that believe that in our cultura, no se habla de dinero. We don't talk about money. I am a first-gen investor who went from believing I had to work mentally and physically hard for money to now having multiple investment accounts and run a business that I love. I am a mom, a wife, speaker, and author ready to help you create wealth beyond your ancestors' wildest dreams. Welcome to the Say Hola Well podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to remind you to follow us on social if you are loving the podcast, want to build community, and you want to learn creative ways to increase your income. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and of course, on our website at www.sayolawell.com. If you feel inspired by any of the episodes, it will mean the world to me if you can leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. This is how other mujeres find us. Hello, Rosa. Welcome to the Say Hola Well podcast. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to just have this conversation with you. I'm excited to dive into all things redefining leadership, but first I want to start with you sharing a little bit about who you are, what are you up to, and just make it a little bit more personable. Tell us the chisme about you. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So like career-wise, I'm a leadership coach. I specifically work with first and second generation and BIPOC leaders. I help them become confident and respected change makers in the industry. And I do this work mainly because I'm first gen. Like I am the eldest daughter of immigrant parents. My parents came here from Mexico when just like actually a few months before I was born. And being the first generation, the first one to come to the United States as a family, that meant that we were figuring out so many things on our own. And that kind of ended up being like my experience through my life, figuring out how to do elementary school on my own, learn English on my own, figuring out how to apply for colleges, be in colleges, like the whole college experience. That was definitely interesting because being a daughter of Mexican parents, like immigrant parents, they had a lot of rules when we were growing up of how we're supposed to be. And then you go to college and you have all this independence. What do you do with all the independence? But often I found myself just 
trying to do all these things by myself and figure out what I was supposed to do and how to do it. And especially when I stepped into leadership roles, I had these moments of, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And am I doing this right? And questioning myself and my abilities. And so for a long time, I had this thought, oh, I wish I had somebody like who could guide me or if there was this program or this way of just knowing, am I doing it right? Or what should I be doing instead? And like, I had my son two years ago now, which seems so crazy, like how fast time flies, but I had my son. And in that moment, I was working full time at a nonprofit as a director for one of our programs. And I realized I don't want to go back to the way that we were doing, that I was doing my life because I also am a really hard worker. That's what I inherited from my parents. If you work hard, you will be able to make your dreams come true. And so I didn't want that though having my son. And so I ended up realizing I wanted to start my business, like this dream that I had for a really long time. And so that's like a long-winded way of telling you that's who I am now. Like now I'm doing my business because I wanted to be able to spend more time with my son than be with him just in the mornings and at night and then have to be at work all the rest of the time. I love it. And you just share so many nuggets that really reflect the first gen experience or the second generation experience. You talk about being in a leadership role and feeling that you didn't know what you're doing, right? There's so many mujeres that are listening to the podcast right now that are exactly in that position where they are a top executive, but they don't have any guidance, not just from their family, but also from their community, because we've never been part of these rooms that now as we're growing in numbers, like statistically, we're growing in numbers. And now we're starting to see us more identified, not just in leadership roles, but also in industries that we've never had a voice. So I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing because we need you. We need you to guide us on redefining leadership. And so I want to come back to the comment that you made about working for a non-for-profit. There's so many Latinas, so many mujeres that just like you are very hard workers. And we tend to always gravitate towards those positions in non-for-profit. What changed for you to decide, I want to go, like this non-for-profit is not for me? I've been thinking about this a lot because I had this moment and the work that I did in nonprofit was advocacy work. I worked with survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking for a really long time. And I love the work. And I had this moment where I realized like the part that I really love is the advocacy piece, like that I am out there advocating with law enforcement, district attorneys doing all this. And I'm like, oh, no wonder I love that because I grew up being my parents' advocate. And so then I was so, it was so easy to translate that and not be an advocate for survivors, like it was just this connection. But I think one of the things that happens is I realize there's a lot of us, especially first gen, especially our immigrants and nonprofit work, because we saw all of the injustices that were happening to our families, to people from our communities, and we want to make a difference. And so we end up going to nonprofit because that seems like such a linear, like that makes sense that we would go into that type of work. But it also, in many ways, I will be like blunt and honest, it drains it all from us because we're so mission focused. We care so deeply. Those some of the questions that they ask you in the interview. What do you think about the mission? Are you passionate about the work? And when you are, you give and give. 
But unfortunately, the nonprofit industry is not built to then give back to its people the way that it should be. So it burns us out because we give more and don't get as much back, including like how much people in nonprofit get paid, the benefits, the expectations of how much work you do. You even, I have my master's in nonprofit administration, and we did this one activity in my program where we asked people, oh, this person from a nonprofit, the CEO is making $200,000 a year. What do you think of that? And everybody was like, why are they making so much? Why are they, how is my, the money that I'm giving to this organization being used? And so there's this expectation that because we work in nonprofit, we shouldn't make any money, but we, we need to make money too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I've, I've seen on my side as a wealth coach, especially for the mujeres that I've served that are part of a non-for-profit, the public service forgiveness loan makes me so mad because it is sold to us as oh just serve for x amount of years and then your loans are going to be forgiven which yeah it is a fact but also we tend to just focus on my my student loans are going to be forgiven versus what if I leave this non-for-profit and I can quadruple my salary? What if I feel more worthy of receiving more? Because I feel that with non-for-profits, there's also this message of you shouldn't be receiving or earning a lot because it's a disservice to the people that we want to serve. So I'm so glad that you're touching on that because we need to normalize that. Yeah, you can have a non-for-profit job, but you also don't have to be married to it for eternity. And I think about it, like what's rooted in it and like how it ends up taking advantage of first gen, of Latinas, of women of color, because there are so many women of color Latinas in that field. And we come from families where we see a lot of self-sacrificing because that's how they're able to care for their families. And it's just like a generational thing. We go into deeply into that, but probably not today. Um, but, and then this nonprofit field is asking the same from us to sacrifice ourselves for the greater good. Like you sh shouldn't, for me, I recently moved into a two bedroom like duplex. I have not have ever had a place this nice in the Bay Area in my whole life. And it was, I can have it now because I have my, my business and I had to really do some work on my own thoughts and my own beliefs of what I just served because I felt, oh, it's okay that I just have a little tiny apartment because I'm giving to the greater good. No, I should be able to also enjoy life and live how I want to live. This idea that we don't deserve wealth is crazy. Yeah. And I'm so happy for you that you have your space because when we are creating wealth, it really starts with us. And the more we give ourselves, the more we earn, the more we grow. But also I feel like our capacity to also give things for free also change a little bit. Like I remember walking into rooms and I wasn't even getting to the table where people will ask me like, Hey, do you want to volunteer? Yeah, sure. Sign me up. And then eventually I find myself like, just giving so much of my time to non-for-profits for free. And I'm like, when they come to me, I'm like, just send me an invoice or write you a check, which sounds silly, but that's my way of giving back. So thank you so much for sharing that. And as a mom with a young baby, I'm so glad that you have your space to just grow your family. And I want to ask you, 
How do you help or what is your advice for those mujeres that are already in a leadership role and they want to maybe feel that they have to code switch or change the way they do things? Because leadership, we have the wrong meaning of leadership, right? Like how do you redefine leadership for these clients of yours? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I think it's really important that we think first of where did this definition or this idea that we have in ourselves of what leadership should look comes from. And it comes from a lot of different places. Like one of them, we, we have to be realistic about the workplaces we live in. These workplaces were initially created for white men. Not even white women were allowed to work in these spaces for a good part of our history. And, and a really easy example is how I explain that is there was this SNL video called The Women's Winter that's about how the AC system in buildings is actually created to tailor the body temperature of white men, not even like white women or women of color. And so that's why we're always cold in these like company buildings because it's not created for us. And so we have to understand the reality of the systems that we are working in as leaders. And then we need to also understand what are the unwritten rules we're trying to live up to, like all the shoulds of how we're supposed to be at le as leaders. Because we're, I think as women of color, we're also living up to the social, the cultural expectations that we were supposed to be, and that impacts how we show up. And so if you want to redefine who you are as a leader and how you lead, you need to understand first the what has made you be the way you are? What kind of systems are you like working in? And how do you actually want to be? Because you might like some of the things and you might not like some of them. Some of them might be serving you, some of them might not. So you need to understand that to create like a new way of being for you. And I think the biggest piece here is to connect to your why. Like, why do you even want to lead differently? Why do you want to redefine what it means to lead, especially as a woman of color? Because when you connect to your purpose, it makes it easier for you to take the steps that you need to take to break all of those rules that don't apply to you, that don't serve you anymore. So good. Now you just mentioned something that I'm so intrigued because I don't longer, of course, have a nine to five, but I'm like, what are some example of unwritten rules of leadership? I think that when it comes to being a woman of color in leadership, there is one simple rule is how you're supposed to speak or share your voice in leadership. This idea of you are not supposed to be emotional or have emotions when you speak. You're supposed to have a certain tone when you speak. They talk about like vocal fry. I don't know if you ever heard of this term, but it's just, oh, sometimes the way that we speak is some people will criticize it. But really, I think that the reality is it's all being measured to the standard that's been created about how white men speak. Very monotone, very just boring. <laughs> Like a little bit, like even me, if you're watching, you could see that I speak with my hands. That is a no. But you have to think about who is the audience that you really want to speak to. And so the audience that I want to speak to accepts like how I speak, really welcomes and probably feels what I'm trying to tell them because of how I show up my hand gestures. So even that, and when we're allowed to speak, it's a whole other thing around the way that we use our voice and leadership. And a lot of times I've worked with leaders who oh, I don't want to speak in this room because I'm nervous about how so-and-so uh, is going to perceive it, or if they're going to think it's important, or if I said right or wrong thing. And so it's just like remembering them that 
you can use your voice for good. And that could be a way that one of the rules that you're trying to break of what is expected about how we speak. I love these. And I think there's so much authenticity in power when you show up with who you are. I remember feeling like I needed to code switch. And what you were just saying right now, feeling like you have to sound like a white man and making sure that you're not using your hands. I remember that being me because I was in a leadership role where I was the only Latina in that company, not even in the room, but in the company. And I remember even the way I dressed was very much what I would call non-Latina, right? Like I had to wear, not that like I had to, but I, I told myself, like, if you're in this leadership role, you need to model what these white men are doing, which was black suit. Mm-hmm. Black suit, always looks super nice. Though I wouldn't even wear like anything that would show my Latinidad, right? Whether it was my lipstick, my earrings, my jewelry, it was very much conservative. And now as an entrepreneur who goes back to speak now in these corporations, I show up with my bright dress, my earrings, my lipstick, and people just, you know, especially Latinas, when they see me, they're just like, wow. Yeah. So that is my way of redefining leadership too, like how I show up, how I dress, and even who I wear. Like for me, it's important to show up wearing brands that represent our cultura now. Like I don't even wear like these fancy names that are like glamorous. I'm like, no, I'm going to wear my cultura. So thank you so much for sharing that. If this podcast resonates with you and you are ready to embrace becoming financially free and build generational wealth, I would like to invite you to apply to work with me privately. It is the most intimate way to connect with me and you will be fully supported to achieve your financial goals once and for all. Here's what past clients have said about working with me. One of my clients said, I feel confident in ways I can invest my money. You have helped me connect the dots on how investing truly works. It is simple, fun, and less scary than I thought. Another client said, I have so much clarity on the mindset blockers that were holding me back from increasing my wealth. And many of my clients have said that investing in financial coaching has been one of the best investments they ever made. If you are ready to see these mujeres and their beautiful faces, go ahead and head over to my Instagram account so you can hear it directly from them. And make sure that you click on the highlights under results. And if you feel inspired, go ahead and schedule a call today using the link in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. Now, I want to shift the conversation a little bit more towards your journey as an entrepreneur, because you are teaching your clients how to redefine leadership. But how does that look like for you? Because I feel that you went from, I have to quote unquote, measure up to now you have a whole new canvas where you get to play. So how does that look like for you? So I think about one of the hardest things me stepping into this entrepreneurial journey was about like how much I was going to have to show myself off. Like I'm selling a service. It's coaching, one-on-one coaching. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to focus on what I do. But the thing is, if the audience that I want to connect with is other Latinas, other women of color who are experiencing these things, they need to know me. 
too. They can, not just the services I offer, but they need to know me because that was the reason I came into this work. I needed someone in my life who could guide me, who understood me as a whole person, someone I didn't have to translate myself to. Like I didn't have to translate my culture, the way that I was, even the way that I speak using the language. And so I had to put myself as a person out there, which was not what I was used to. When I worked corporate, when I worked nonprofit, I, it was more about talking about my clients, talking about the organization that I worked for, focusing on everybody else but myself. So even though I was a very like vocal person in my industry, people knew me, they like that was not my focus. So I had to get comfortable with being a little bit like sinvergüenza, like showing myself off. And that was really hard because I was worried about what will people say. Like, I didn't want to be a show-off, a presumida. Like all of those things that are told to us, especially as women, that we shouldn't be, I had to be. And so I really had to challenge myself to step into what it means to lead in that way. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it yet. Like it's still a work in progress. But if I am telling my clients, hey, show yourself off, and then I'm not comfortable doing that, what kind of message is that? So I push myself to step out of my comfort zone, those limiting beliefs of who I am to like be a little bit like sinvergüenza because it just means not be ashamed of who I am and what I have to offer. So good. So good. You talk about being sinvergüenza and I feel like in our cultura, there is so much baggage that comes with our identity of don't speak up, right? Calladita te ves más bonita. If you can't be ambitious and grateful at the same time, that's something that I also hear often. So I'm so glad that you're modeling that behavior for your clients and for all of us, because we do need to brag about the things that we're doing. White men do it every day. Yes. And I love this saying, somebody said, oh, what would a mediocre man do, white man do? And probably more than we think that we have the right to do. So up, bring it up a level. It's totally okay. Yes, absolutely. Oh my God. I love that. Now in your journey as an entrepreneur and as a mom now, what are some of the tools that you're using to leverage generational wealth building are you are where are you at right now are you investing and when i'm talking about investing i'm not just talking about like investing in the stock market okay if you're investing in therapy that's an investment for me so how are you giving back to yourself especially as a leader when it comes to investments oh gosh i this has been a big journey because talk about being self-sacrificing i didn't realize how much i was putting myself and my needs aside throughout my whole career and a lot of my adulthood and so things that i've done this year, my biggest investment was I got a coach. Like I work with Mariela and it was just like, when I heard of her, I knew I wanted to work with her. It was just, I connected with her story so much. And I thought if she's doing it as a single mom and I'm a single mom, that means I need somebody who's been through it. Like the same thing I've been talking, I need somebody who's been through it to help me. And so working with her is like a good amount of money. And I was like, oh, one day when I'm ready, when I'm ready. And I'm like, why? Why do I keep doing that to myself? It's hora. Like now is the time. So that was one big one. And then I also invested in putting my son in childcare before we were talking about like having grandparents take care of our kids. That was my reality. My mom was taking care of them twice a week, my sister one day. And then like I was making it work the other days, but I invested in childcare to be able to give my son like an opportunity to be in an environment where he's like learning and spending time with other kids and getting the support that he needs and creating like a village for him and giving myself to give time to my business. And then when he's here, 
be present for him instead of stressing about all the other things I have to do at the same time. I definitely invested in a Roth RIA in the last couple of years. I never did that before. I just was like, oh, whatever comes with my job, that's enough. I'm like, no, I need to, having my son actually was a lot of that. I have a, what is it? The children's savings account. A 529 college savings. Yeah, I love that. And Thank you for sharing that. And this is a question that I asked because I want us to normalize a conversation around investing in ourselves because we oftentimes have the identity of mañana, right? Mañana cuando tenga más dinero, cuando esté lista, you just talk about that. But it has to really happen today and always focusing on those micro steps that are going to help you get to the next level because that money journey is going to be forever especially as entrepreneurs as moms we always have to be prepared so thank you so much for sharing that and i'm so glad that you're investing in child care because as a latina mom that also comes with a lot of guilt yes that's why i haven't done it and i kept that's my mom didn't do it she never had us in child care my mom what she did is she worked nights and my dad worked during the day and she would be with us but she was always so tired like she didn't get any sleep and so i'm like i don't want that to be the reality for my son i want him to enjoy his mom i want to enjoy being his mom and so that's gonna take getting support oh i invested in somebody to clean my house <laughs> So you seem like little things, but some of it is all rooted in like why we don't do it is guilt and it's what's been passed down, but it's what worked for our parents doesn't mean it's going to be what works for us. And if we're trying to break generational curses, do things differently, create a different reality for our children, we have to take action. And the more that we wait, the more we're doing a disservice to ourselves and to our families and to our descendants who are going to learn from us. Yes, I'm all about investing money on having someone come and clean your house. <laughs> I'm a former housekeeper. And so I clean toilets, I've done my duties. And now I, I always tell everyone, I'm like, there's one thing you will not find me doing anymore. And that is scrubbing toilets. I clean so many toilets that I don't know, no longer need to do that for my life. So I invest in that as well. I appreciate you sharing that because I feel that when we have these conversations about the investments that we are making in ourselves, we also give somebody else permission to at least try one of the investments, right? It doesn't have to be all at once because we didn't do all everything at once, but just normalizing these conversations around hiring help to help you clean your house, especially as a Latina leader, right? Because there's so many mujeres that show up to their nine to five, they're the leader, then they come home and cook and clean the kids, el marido, sometimes even the perro, right? And they're just like, go. It's this idea that we've been fed that we have to be super women. We do not, we can be super women who don't do it all and we don't have to do it all. And I think that's a rooted all in like also being hyper independent. You know, when you have to figure it all out by yourself because you're the daughter of immigrant parents, sometimes it's just so deeply rooted and you have to realize it's not, it becomes this automatic, but it's not who you are. It's just the way you've been conditioned and socialized to be. Like, who are you really? And like someone who's supported should be who we are. We deserve support too. We don't have to be those, this idea of a like Wonder Woman or Superwoman. Like I want to be this a superwoman to my son. I actually wrote this quote not so long ago. That's like, when I want my son, when he says, the reason that I am a superwoman, it's not because I survived all of these things. It's because he saw me as joyful and happy and present for him. And that should be the superwoman he imagines me to be. I love that so much. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm like, oh my God. And 
I think that part of us redefining leadership is also allowing ourselves to create our own narrative, but you also talk about emotions. So can we come back to that? Because I feel that culturally, we've always been told, no se llora, your emotions, no te veas débil o frágil, depending on where you come from. How do you help your clients navigate the conversation of it's safe to manage your emotion or show your emotions, especially as a leader? I actually think about somebody who was my supervisor and she's, you need to have your team see you as a whole person, not just compartmentalized. And so they need to know that things impact you as well, because when you allow yourself to show that to them, it allows them to then see that they're allowed to do the same thing. It's like setting the example as leaders, which is part of a responsibility when we lead. And I think we end up being leaders in these workplaces where we're leaders in our homes. And it's the same thing when we're raising children, when we have siblings, like the examples that we end up setting for all of these people in our lives. It can feel like a big responsibility, but if we also see it as an ability to just change the way that it's always been done, that there is a possibility to do it different. Are you taking a risk? Yes. Is it sometimes going to be uncomfortable? Totally. But what new examples are you setting because of the things that you're doing? So being, I was always told I was too emotional actually. And I had to like rethink of that. I'm like, that's just because they were uncomfortable with it. It wasn't that I was too emotional is that they weren't comfortable with their own emotions. Cause usually what they point at you is the whole, like they point one finger at you and four fingers are pointing back at them. If they're actually really struggling with processing their own emotions. So when you're able to take a step back, notice yourself, why am I having these feelings? Allow yourself to feel the feelings. Then you're able to actually show up more differently than when you're like, I always think of it like you're so compressed and stuck within yourself that you can't actually show up how you need to. I'm drooling. I'm like, I can talk to you about emotions all day long because I'm super emotional. I'm very emotional. I, I wear my emotions on my sleeves all the time. And just like you, I, I also used to be told like, don't be too emotional. And so I feel like I had to co switch into these strong Latina. But I'm now that I'm like, okay, I can redefine leadership. I can redefine anything I want. I'm definitely back to my authentic self, which means I'm very emotional. Like I cry with, with my clients. I cry when I go watch a movie. I'm always like, oh my God, my daughters are like, oh mom, not again. I'm like, it's okay, honey. <laughs> it's okay. It's safe to show your emotions. And how that's a new model of strong. That's being strong. You're so strong. You can actually process your emotions because I think about, unfortunately, in a lot of our households, we also see what it can look like when people don't process their emotions, when they hold them in. I think about how that can cause anger, unprocessed anger, unprocessed emotions, and sometimes leads households where you have yelling or like the like other types of abuse coming from working in domestic violence, like when people can't process them, then they direct them in negative ways. And so you're now allowing yourself to do that for yourself is allowing your household to be different. It's allowing your workplace to be different. Yes, especially as a first gen world builder, I feel that I'm redefining everything. Like I've learned so many things from my mom, from my grandma, but also there's so many things that I'm like, you know, they serve me up to a point. And now I need to just let it go, take what I need. 
be grateful for what they taught me, but what, what got me here won't get me there. And so now redefining so many things, of course, my identity with money, identity with wealth, but even my identity with food and emotions. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know who I am anymore. So Rosa, I want to thank you for coming to the podcast. And I want to ask you, what is your definition of wealth? I would say it's freedom, like freedom to be myself, to choose what I want to do it, how I want to do it, like to want things that I didn't think that I could want and then go for them. I just think it's like the freedom to be your whole self and live the life that you want to live. I love that. I love the definition. And where can people find you? I am like, I hang out the most on LinkedIn. You can find me there. I also host some workshops and events on there. So I'd love to connect with you and see you there. Thank you. And mujeres, make sure that you check the link in the show notes. That, that way you can connect directly with Rosa. But thank you again for coming to the podcast. This conversation has me just feeling like a true leader, like a badass right now. And I just want to say that I, I admire what you're doing and let's keep building well juntas. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you. What if I told you there is a way to get paid for the skills, knowledge, and the expertise you already have? Introducing Jefas and Wealth, a private offer for the beginner and aspiring coach who wants to build a business where they can make money while pursuing financial freedom and of course, create more impact in our community. There are a million ways to make a million and you might be sitting on the best idea that you can monetize. If you are ready to learn more, make sure you check the link in the show notes. On the Say Hola Well podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes and it does not constitute legal accounting, tax, or other legal advice. Listeners should not act upon the content information without seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professionals. We assume no responsibility for the information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liabilities with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracy, omissions, misleading, or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitute an explicit understanding of acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.